And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Brendan Quinn. We've got some more basketball to talk about today, my man. How's your bracket uh, doing there, bud? What are we doing? I got four or three Final Four teams. Okay, three of four, not bad. I want to say, let me see here. I know we, I know I took some a few hits. Illinois, yeah, everyone Illinois, be, Illinois being a big one. That, that was not great. Of the Elite Eight, I have one, two... Is San Diego State still alive? I don't think so. I think they lost, didn't they? Because I'm, I'm pulling mine up now, actually. I don't know. Because I think I picked them to win, and I feel like they did, in fact, not win. I but know. now I have to look. Alabama. Uh, I got Alabama. Florida State, yeah. Yeah, San Diego State lost. They lost in the first round. Syracuse got them. Okay, so I have six of eight of my Elite Eight still alive. There you go. Not too bad. Not too bad. I got all four Final Four teams mm. still going. I've got Baylor, Houston, Alabama, Gonzaga in Pretty Final good. Four. I've got, let's see, I've got Florida State, Michigan. I did not have yet, so not bad. Hang it in. There you go. Hang in. Pretty, pretty chaotic first uh, weekend there, but hang it in overall. Hell of a tournament. Jesus. Yes, and I was like to a point actually where when we talked to uh, David Warlock about the schedule changes months ago or weeks ago, whatever it was, I was like, yeah. oh, that's probably going to be pretty cool. Uh, and then I got to like yesterday, Thursday, as it's Friday as we record this year, and I was like, well, uh, this is bullshit. There's no games on. And I was like, right. where are the games? I'm like, I don't like, th- I don't like this. And so, just having no idea what day of the week it is too. Yeah, and I also didn't like it on Tuesday, I got to say, because mm-hmm. we had games on Monday. And then Tuesday showed up, and I was like, this really sucks. Like, Tuesday was pretty brutal, I got to say. It was bizarre. And, like, just, like, wait a second. Is it still the weekend? Is it later in the week? (laughs) Then you wake up, and it's, like, Wednesday. You're like, how's the week almost over? When's the next game? Like, I didn't realize. Yesterday, I'm like, I'm writing this story on Howard Isaac. I'm like, man, this thing, you know, I wish I had this thing up today. You know, I'm... This is not going to be great timing. I'm going to end up like running it like on game day, and I'm realized I'm like, oh shit, they don't play until it's, Sunday, yeah, right? It's not, yeah, right, <laughs> even close. <laughs> and if they play in the Elite Eight, it'll be a Tuesday, which will be weird. Uh, yeah, but whatever. I guess next week will be fine though, right? Because it'll be like in terms of withdrawal. I'm talking, you know, because you'll have games Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then the Final Four starts Saturday, but you'll have all the Final Four stuff. I assume anyway that leads into it, but um, yeah, that schedule will all be that schedule will all be normal. Yeah, the uh, the the final four week, uh, thankfully. But Michigan back in the Sweet Sixteen—that's what we're how about it? Talk about today, uh, fourth straight 
as no, as obviously last year's was not played. So four straight Sweet 16s for Michigan. What is this? Uh, five? What was the other number? Six. Six, six out of eight. Six out of eight. Four straight. Um, that's including. Man, I gotta the, tell that's you, that's including the canceled season, right? That's including the canceled so it's season. Over nine years. Over nine when, years. When you moved back here from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yep. And, and took the job at M Live, and we're doing. 2011. Michigan. Did you start as Michigan basketball? I was helping doing, on football. I was doing both. Yeah. So right. basketball was. I was alone on basketball, but right, Kyle and I it. were doing football together. Yeah. So uh, you were walking in on a program that. I first met, I've told this story, I first met John Beeline in um, a construction trailer in the parking lot of the old, of Chrysler, which was being, um, when I got here, I think the renovation had just finished to the right. actual arena and the player development center was still like a hole in the ground. It wasn't, I don't think anything had even been, like, I don't think they even had a structure built. Like their offices used to be at Hoover and State. I don't right. know if you how much you remember of this, or I'm sure you've heard the stories because they were. I think it was built by the time you got here, the new building. So their offices used to be like, at Hoover and State in like Weidenbach, where, where that uh, which where is that, no right that like, little right. auto shop is. Uh, no, where that corner, like by the rec center, you know where that. Uh, yeah. So that that stoplight, you got State Street by Glick. You yeah. go up past the Ross Center and there's Weidenbach Hall there. That yes. thing at the corner where like I think uh Ward Manuel's office is now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, their their offices were not anywhere near uh Chrysler mm-hmm. right. at the time. So they renovated the thing and changed everything. And I met being lying in a construction trailer. That's where his office was, like Bakari Alexander and Lavelle Jordan and uh Jeff Meyer, I think were like basically in this weird bullpen of the same trailer, <laughs> not in offices, if I remember correctly. They were all like sharing the same coffee pot. Yeah. Um, you know, like Beeline had cardboard put up on the windows because he didn't have blinds in the in there. Like this is this this was Michigan basketball when I mm-hmm. moved back here. They hadn't been they'd been back to what two tournaments. So they'd been to two tournaments in the last ten or twelve years. And Beeline was like obsessed with if we could just get to be like a six seed, right? And, you know, maybe have a tournament appearance where we can be favored or something, right? So, like, fast forward from that till now, obviously, <laughs> everything has changed, and it's crazy. I mean, if you're someone who's followed the program for 10 to 15 years, and if you're someone who was familiar with that drought that they had, which was massive, right? like, this is pretty nuts when you put it all... And I know we don't want to talk about all the history, whatever, but, like, just sure. from where they've go- come from to where they are now as a program, in 10 years, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, when I tweeted it that night, I mean, I guess because not being around here, right, for especially the dark ages, yeah. um, I, I, I don't even really think about it. It's not part of my conscience. So I tweeted after the game that stat that you just said, right, four straight Sweet 16, six and eight years, and a lot of the responses were like, man, I was around for the LRB and the Amaker mm-hmm. days, and I just, I just can't even believe what I'm seeing, and, you know, yeah, the, that's the, most the, the crazy thing is that you know the program has it's got all the pieces, all the infrastructure to be just a powerhouse, you know, or an, and at least a national player on a yearly basis, right. both in recruiting, both in TV time, both in success on the court if you can make it work, and you just take it for granted that it's right. 
that all these pieces are in place, not realizing, you know, eh, wasn't so easy uh, no. not too not too long ago. So, you know, the the transition of these eras, you know, beeline to to Juwan Howard, and um, I don't think, I mean, certainly we, I mean, we've talked about this that we wouldn't have predicted it would go this seamlessly, this successfully. Um, because for a while there, it was, you know, man, does this thing just kind of fade off into the distance? Was that more of a uh, yeah. kind of pocket of time, right? So this thing's being, ca- being carried that. forward. And uh, here they are back in the Speed 16, you know, that certainly they'll be favored. They're favored in this game right? Um, against Alabama. You know, that'll be a coin flip, but I would guess they'll be a one-point favorite. So I mean, they're a one seed. <laughs> right, you know, so they'll be... They are favored to get to a, a final four, third yeah. final four since 2013. Um, and when you start getting to final fours and stuff under different coaches, mm-hmm. well, that's when it's, you know, that's kind of a sign of ultimate strength of a program, really. You right. know, it's not one, you know, it's not Tom Izzo taking Michigan State to freaking nine final fours, whatever, where you're just like, wait, is this the coaches? The pro-? I mean, I know obviously yeah. Michigan State had success yeah. before him, but I think you get my point. Like, you know, there are these places where it's so attached to a single player or a single coach or, you know, a single kind of moment uh, in time that, you know, is it like how sustainable are things? Well, this is this is quite sustainable. That's a great point. That's a great you know, discussion point to talk about because, you know, while I – there's part of me that thinks that this is going to be sustained no matter sort of what sort of happens here because they do have, like you said, they finally have the facilities. Um, you know, Michigan's facilities are as good as you'll find, I think, in college basketball. Uh, they've renovated the building. You know, people at the time, I can remember when, you know, Chrysler was being renovated. It was like, well, why don't you just knock it down and start over? But they've renovated it and it's upgraded and it's nice and everything is nice and everything is what you need it to be. And so all of those things have taken care of themselves. And now, and that was the thing, you'd hear that for years, that 10-year that drought, like, why is this program not what it should be? Why is this program not, you know, one of these teams that, you know, I don't think a lot of people naturally talk about Michigan's Sweet 16 streak here, because I think a lot of people naturally would say, well, yeah, of course. Like, why right. wouldn't they be right. a, a program that would be in, you know, uh, have that as something that would be on the on the table? So you heard that from people forever that were like, there's no reason that this isn't, this isn't a thing. And, you know, you credit a lot of people. I think that Beeline used to credit Bill Martin a lot for it, but really I think a lot of it was Beeline. I mean, raising the money, getting it done. Now it's there, but also on the other side of that, you know, you've got Juwan Howard here who's only coached two tournament games and, you know, we'll see how he does for the rest of this, but it feels like in some ways they're an established national program the way that Michigan should be, but it also, feels in some ways that they're not quite there yet. You know what I mean? Like it feels like they're right. I don't know, just for me, I don't know if you would agree with me, but it feels like they're right there, but they still need maybe, I don't know what that would yeah, be. I mean, but it does feel like they're missing something. There's certainly categories here, right? Yeah. And when, if you look at um, like the top 10, if you say the top 10 programs in the country, right? right programs. Yeah. Which is a rolling um, number usually. You know? It's a rolling yeah. number. It's it's based a lot in history. It's based a lot in, you know, attractiveness of the job. It's based in fan base. All these different things. Like, Michigan's probably on the outside 
of that group. Right. You know, because like, you're, yeah. you're, you're talking Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, Louisville. You know, at this point, Gonzaga's in that conversation probably. Um, you know, maybe a UCLA, maybe a Syracuse. Um, I feel like they're right there with some of those teams, though. You know? Right there, but like, yeah. you know, like Villanova has three national champions. But right, yeah, exactly. You That's know what difference. I mean? Yeah, right. Um, there's things, there's things like that. Like you can make a case that like Florida still is is sure. above it. I'm sure if you look up, you know, Ken Palm's program ratings from you know that that's it's the Ken Palm era, so mm-hmm. that's '97 onward, uh, and it has a. Let me just pull it up here. And that's when Michigan's drought period. So actually, for Michigan, that's an interesting right. So in the ratings, this isn't yeah. So in the ratings, Michigan's 21st. Right. Because they, you know they had that tenure. That's, that's from '97 you know. on. That kind of speaks to just how bad things were. Right. Um, I mean, that's a pretty remarkable number when you consider the the success that this. Oh God! Program's what had what had. would they have been from '97 to '07? Would you right. think? Like, yeah, sure. Ninetieth. <laughs> I mean, like that's where it was. Right. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But so the top ten in in this. So this is '97 to 2020. Is Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, Michigan State, Arizona, Villanova, Florida, Louisville. Gonzaga, perfect. Um, I mean, what you would think, right? Like right. The, yeah. But like the difference between the like those programs and like the the more sustainable one, like it's like look at Ohio State, right? It had that stretch of time, exactly, where it was one of the best programs in the country without a doubt. Multiple Final Fours. Dad had it rocking and rolling. They're recruiting all Americans. They're doing all this. Yeah, looked like it was going to last forever. It really right. did with them. And just kind of pittered out, and they have not been able to recapture anything of that time, from recruiting to atmosphere to success on the court. Um, you know, it's a big jump getting into that next level of conversation. And it's not a knock on Michigan to say that it's not quite there. But yeah. if anything, it's a credit to, you know, the, the last two staffs and even, you know, I mean, I think you can go back to Amaker and say, you know, I mean, he, he navigated them through some waters and got mm-hmm. them back at least to the postseason and things like that. It didn't work out in the end, but... Yeah, they were right there a couple you times. You know, you needed someone to kind of bridge that gap to um, basically take a lot of L's to make the program competitive again, you know? So I, I think you should... And I wasn't here for it, so I'm just kind of based on conversations with Bill Martin, conversations with people like that, conversations with Bruce, conversations with people who were around at that time who say, you know, people kind of toss away Tommy a little bit, but like, oh yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be forgotten what, what was there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Somebody, like, I, I don't know if it was ever put to me this way, but it was almost like, you know, when, you, when I would go back and observe that era, because I wasn't here either, but I remember it, you know, like I'm old enough to remember it. Um... But it's like, it's interesting because in a way, when they hired Tommy Amaker, he was still, you know, a younger-ish guy, I think, and a, and a name people knew. But it was also like somebody at that point in time needed to take that job. And in any way they could remind people that that, was, that should be a desirable job. Right. That Michigan basketball should be a job that you can win at and should be a job that you can build at. Because that's something that younger fans, I promise you, don't have perspective on is in 1996 97 98 like when we were talking to jack the other day about Izzo's rise it also coincided with michigan just collapsing i sure. mean and it was it was horrendous at, <laughs> at the time when it really when the bottom i mean they were getting just embarrassed every time they'd be and this was back in the time when you know your college games weren't on national tv every single day like they are now right like you'd have those showcase right. games like I can remember one year, I don't remember what, what it is. I'm sure some of the diehards would know better than I, but I can remember one year flipping on like ESPN in like the late nineties there on one of those like Saturday night games and they're playing like Duke or something, like a good mm-hmm. Duke team. And they got beat they were down like fifty to six or something like that at like one point in the game. It was crazy. Right. They got beat by like fifty, getting just run off the floor, all the embarrassments that they had with Michigan State. And then at the end of Amaker they were right there. I mean, they were like on the fringe. It was close. So right. it's been a 10 year, it's been like 10 or 15 year period to get to like this spot. But now this is the, this is the spot where I think a lot of places end up banging their head on a wall where it's like you get to the edge. We do, we talk about this with football all the time with Michigan football, where mm-hmm. they got to the edge in 16 right there. Like you're leaning over it and it's like one more step, one more thing goes the way you need it to and you're everything you've ever wanted. And you're probably established, right? Or at least you're closer. And then they can't get it and now they're further away than they've ever been. And it's like, I think that you look at it through that lens and you do wonder, right? Where it's like, this is a, they're right there, but the program still, I feel like, I don't know what that would be. Maybe that's a question. Like what, what would they need to push into that next group? Yeah. I mean, it's, it would be, well, a national championship. Is, well, right, it, yeah. That's that's the, that's the thing, you know. I mean, I rattled off a lot of those names, you know, other than Gonzaga, um, other than to an, you know, Michigan State. Obviously, is is kind of going back a ways at this point, right to two thousand one. Mm-hmm. But all the other ones I mentioned, they've all won a championship in the last twenty five right. years, right? So that's. That's kind of the the level, right? The teams that you look at that haven't won a national championship of late, you know, that's where you look at historically great programs that just that haven't done it of late. So you know, your your UCLA's and your um, a program like Oregon's been consistent and, and terrific the last yeah. twenty years, but just it's not been at that level to to go win one. Uh, Purdue, right? Mm. Um, so so on and so forth. 
But yeah, with this program, I mean, and they can do it this year. It's not out of the realm of possibility by any means. Mm. I mean, I know Gonzaga is the big, big bad wolf as it should be, but you know, teams are beatable. So they're not that big of a bad yeah, wolf. Yeah, right, right, exactly. This <laughs> they're not the Lakers. You know, we've, so. we've seen we've seen nastier wolves in college basketball <laughs> years. I'd say. Uh, and you know, you want to talk about a team getting tight, man? When you don't lose, oh yeah, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, we'll, you know, we'll see. We're gonna bad see things can creep into the head. Yeah. I, I still yeah. think they win it all, just because you know they're end good. Of, don't get end wrong of the here. day, when when you're when your top three are better than anyone else's top three, pretty good advantage to have. Right. So, um, we'll we will see. Uh, man, yeah, we'll see. But, I don't know. You know, even just getting to a Final Four, man, and, and you know. Juwan kind of establishing this as as his program, you know, and and kind of shedding the skin of what came before him and, and the previous era and all the beeline talk and all the blah blah blah. Um, mm-hmm. you get this sucker to a your own Final Four, man, with a lot of your own players. Shit, that's uh, that that's saying something, you know, and and. And projecting forward, you know, they're going to be a top 25 team going into next year, too, between their recruiting uh, that, that they have coming in, between that and, you know, don't be surprised if maybe a couple guys decide to come back here or there. Who knows, you know, with the, with these new rules, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, we'll see. Uh, you know, this thing is built to last. I want to talk about one thing before we get into what's in front of them here. Sure. A little more. So... And this is something that's going to come up. It's probably it already has. Um, Jonathan Giovanni of ESPN wrote about this the other day, and or tweeted about it a little bit. And uh, and he would know. I mean, he's pretty tied in. Sure. And uh, you know the Juwan NBA stuff, which sure. is going to which is going to be a thing. Um, you know, he's only coached two tournament games here. It's only been two years. If they make a run, if they you know if they get to the Final Four or get to a title game or win it. Um, what is your sort of what? What? What are? How are you looking at this? I'm not asking you for information sure. on what you think is going to happen, but like, what's no, your sort of expectation? Guesswork. Yeah, what's your sort of expectation of, of, of how this might, you know, go? I guess because I mean it's I, almost without question, right, that he's going to have interest every year. Teams. It's going to be like it's yeah, going to be like early right. Harbaugh, where you just know every off season so. it's going to be a yeah. talking point. Um, yeah, I think it will be. It's something that's always going to be on his plate. Um, I don't think he's looking to jump. Sure. I don't. I don't think it's. I think he's in a very advantageous position where oh, yeah. he now gets to be ultra selective. And look, if the Heat call right, if Eric Spolstra decides sure. to retire sure. at like forty-five or however old he is, right? Pat now, Riley like, gives which a is, shout or something, which yeah, is right. insane. You know, like Eric Spolstra. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's young oh. as shit. I'm, I, I'm exaggerating. He might be. He might be. He was, yeah, you're right. He's not an old guy. He was young when he took that job. That's right. He's 50. He's only wow. 50 years old. He's been the head coach there for like 20 years. Long time. So, <laughs> you know, like, if that job opens up, though. Sure. I don't see Juwan Howard saying no to that. But why would it open? Is, Eric Spolster's not going to retire at 50, I don't think. Sure. Um, so, between that. You know, if the Lakers called, maybe, you know, but point being, he can be ultra selective in the NBA job that he takes if he wants one. And I'd, I think that ultimately speaks to him remaining at Michigan here for the foreseeable future and not jumping when, you know, 
I don't know, the Atlanta Hawks call him up, and he's just like, no, I'm not taking that job. You right, know what yeah, I mean? And, right, like, Michigan, yeah. he he's making just over $2 million right now. That's going to get boosted to, I would bet, a minimum of three. I and whatever, hope so. However yeah. his deal gets restructured this offseason. And, you know, Michigan is definitely Should being be- conservative with its money, but they're going to have to pay this guy market value, and that's right. gonna, that's what it is, right? I mean, the guy, Minnesota just hired the assistant coach from Xavier and is paying him almost as much as Juwan Howard. Right. Which is obviously insane. So, you know, Michigan's going to have to step up there, and I've already talked to people over there that are well aware that that's on the horizon. So, um, you know, he'll be taken care of financially. Uh, not that he even needs it, but... <laughs> no, but it's but you're right. But it's the it's the competitive pay thing. Fair and that's is fair, the, right? And that's the thing I think that they do understand. Yes, so, I would agree with you. You know, he's not going to be looking to jump for that reason. So I really think it boils down to look. His his son is there. His his uh, younger son might be coming right down mm-hmm. the pike. Um, yeah, I've heard some people suggest that like, oh, he's just going to wait for for Jet to come through, and Jet's going to be one and done. I mean, Jet's good. I don't know if he's that good. Um, <laughs> so. Um, yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised though if he if he does want to ride it out though with his with his kids. That's sure. That's not nothing, you know. Um I I don't think it's going to be something imminent. Now, if they go win a national championship this year, could that tra- change the that construct? Sure. Maybe. Um but yeah, I think I think he has I don't think he has any intentions of of just turning this into an NBA job just for the sake of, of doing so. Is there anything about the uh, college game um, that you've seen anyway? And I know that he's a pretty private guy for the most part. Um, is there anything about the college game that you've seen anyway that, that frustrates Juwan that the NBA doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? The question? Uh, yeah. Like there's there, is there anything about the college game that he, that you've sensed that he's like, I really don't like this uh, or, you know, and I would prefer it the other way or, or vice versa at all. Uh, I would say that media obligations yeah. are probably his n- number one complaint right now. Which wouldn't be enough for someone to quit a job. No, no. no so, no. you know, it's not, just not that an annoyance. Right. And yeah. I think the feeling is that, um, I don't know, things that are asked are overly repetitive or, uh, I don't know what the right word is. And that's hard to talk about media, not, you know. But Not, not wrong about that. <laughs> Repetitive, um, overly right. simplistic, not based in logic or knowledge. Not focused uh, on what uh, the game or the sport or yeah. anything that matters. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but other than that, there, there's definitely know. issues there. I mean, it's been it's been pretty. The the progression of this year with the Zoom calls has been something to witness. His, <laughs> his dwindling patience with some of the questions that he gets is. Uh, yeah pretty amazing so um i got him off to the side yesterday like i feel like and i've said this to some people like not at michigan but just like in in conversations like people have said to me like man you know juan like what is he actually like because he comes off this way on these Mm -hmm. zoom calls and stuff where like he doesn't you know it seems like he's kind of a hard cold guy a little bit and he's not at all like right yeah i got him for 10 minutes yesterday for this Howard Isley story. He's great. Mm. He's personable. He's telling stories, right? He's right. funny. He's cracking jokes and all this stuff. Then you put him on the Zoom call and he's just like, Psh! you know, yeah. it just shuts it off. Right. Yep. Shuts completely shuts it down and stuff like that. So 
you know, I think that's something that he actually needs to kind of address because it's not like it's not like you suddenly get uh, brilliant questions the second you go to the NBA, right? It's just gonna it's just no. a different <laughs> variety of no. people. So and it's going to get more frustrating as well. And you're it's not 82 games be, of it. Right. And you're not always going to be the best team in the country that everybody wants to talk right. about. Right. And yeah, right. so it's going to get – that's interesting. I mean, that's part of probably his growth as a coach, but it certainly wouldn't be anything I like – I mean, like the work side of it, I don't yeah, – right. the work side of it, I mean, he's – I think it's natural for him to kind of – work his ass off and you know i mean he worked his ass off with the heat you know climbing from a player development position to an assistant coach's job um put in the hours worked for pat riley's one of the most demanding people out there um you know like the having to grind on recruiting i don't think that's a thing you know and it's not right. like first of all you're also in a pandemic it's phone calls like you're it's, it, this isn't <laughs> this isn't the days of going and sitting in the hot box gym on the you know EYBL circuit you know sitting there watching some kid who it doesn't even matter that you you're not evaluating right. anything you're just there to wear a golf shirt with your logo on it right it's not this ain't that recruiting you know so um between that i mean i'm sure he doesn't like having to stay at the marriott in champagne or or banner banner whatever the hell you call it like <laughs> i'm sure he doesn't like having to go to west lafayette right like as much as the next guy it's a little nicer <laughs> when you're you know flying into new york or new orleans or wherever on your yeah. team charter plane and going and staying at the ritz or whatever you know like it's a different way of living right but um i think in terms of dealing with the kids i think in ter- terms of dealing with the coaching um that that's fueling him. That that fuels him enough to offset the things that you miss in the NBA. I also think he might be a little tired of Big Ten officiating, but that's another story too. Well, that's always the thing I wonder about sometimes, <laughs> right? And the officiating and the rules are always the thing that get me with guys like Juwan because you know you, he's a guy who's been in the sport at, at like the highest level mm-hmm. a kid a person can be at you know, for their age since he was like 15, right? So he's just like basketball. You're never going to tell him anything about hoops that he doesn't know. I mean, it's all... So oftentimes what I worry about, or not, I don't worry, sorry, we're, we're guys like that, they come back to college or they get into coaching in college and then they open that rule book up and they're like, what in the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I am not... This is ridiculous. Like, I'm not trying to jump through all these hoops. I'm not trying to... Sure. This is insanity, and eventually I do wonder if that like wears people out to a point where they're just like, I can't deal with all of this red tape anymore. I got to right. get out of here. But that's a personality thing that's like, you know, that would be something that I think would only wear on someone after many years. But yeah, you know, it I doesn't mean, seem like that's something he cares too much about. So it doesn't you know, seem that way to yeah, me. Right. Yeah. Um, and that too is, you know, that's why you bring in a guy like Phil Martelli. Right. Exactly. And that's probably that's why, why you have, you know, like that's why you have a guy yeah. like Saudi Washington on your staff. He's been doing this for mm-hmm. friggin' 15, 20 years, you know, going back to his, his early days with Campy and whatever. Like, you know, you're sitting at a meeting. All right, let's do this. You, you have two people there who say like, ah, can't nope, it. can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, next thing, you know, and, uh, you know, there have been coaches like you look at like what Penny did at Memphis, like where he basically brought in a pro staff. It's like that doesn't work. No, man. right, exactly. You know, yeah. like like Juwan played it right, bringing in a guy like Howard Isley as an NBA caliber guy coaching yeah. his guards, and then he also has a lifer head coach who has the head mm-hmm. coaching experience. And then he has a experienced assistant who's been 
you know, worked under a guy like Beeline, worked under a guy like Greg Campy, understands local recruiting, understands Michigan, understands that, right? Like he, his staff building was, was probably, you know, pretty, I wouldn't say underrated because I feel like people have no, it talked was terrific. about it. Yeah. People have talked about it, but like, man, just really the, the, I feel like self-awareness that it takes to make like the hires that, that, that he made um, is really impressive and, and really kind of speaks to um, the thoughtfulness that he gave to building this thing, right? That it wasn't just, it's I want to hire these guys who I like, you know? I it wasn't it was, that. He didn't even was, know Phil and Sadi. Right. <laughs> For me, when I looked at that, and that was because we don't see things like that. Hiring Martelli was really the thing for me where I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, this is really different because that to me was egoless. That sure. was, you are hiring someone who's been a head coach and, you know, Phil has coached some really, really good players over the years. He's had some really, really good teams. He's been doing this forever. Everybody knows him. He's super respected, all of that. Like for a guy who's never been a head coach, for a guy who's knew he was going to get these questions about, does Juwan Howard know how to coach? Does he know anything about basketball? <laughs> like he knew that those questions were going to come, right? And like for him to hire Martelli anyway and not give a shit about any of that, I thought that was like the most... Because Martelli would talk about, you know, when I first talked with Juwan, I could tell he was real and genuine and mm-hmm. everything else. And like, you know, that's his personal whatever. But I think as an observer looking on the outside in, for me, I was always like when he hired Martelli, I was like, well, he's, that's a selfless decision. He's not worried about what that's going to look like externally. Or I thought it's either that or he's too naive to care. He just doesn't know or or care. Uh, But it's like he probably, you know, but reality is, is he didn't care. It was like whatever's best for the program and put it, you know, for a head coach, I'm telling you for a head coach to be comfortable enough in their own skin to hire somebody like that and defer in certain areas that they don't know everything. Like you don't see that, man. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That does not happen in 2021, even with guys like Juwan Howard who have, you know, like pet, you just talked about Petty Hardaway. I mean, he doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. He's been right. around forever. Right. Right. But even for guys like that, they have egos. And when he did that and he, you know, he put the, and you put the staff together and you, you step back and you looked at it, that first summer or whatever, I was like, this is a really, that was a really good, you know, thing that obviously has been well thought out and everything else. And I just don't think that's something that you see very often. I mean, you hear about these coaches talk all the time. I got to get a great staff. I got to get a great staff. And then you end up seeing what they hire and you're like, no, you didn't. You don't want anything to do with a great staff. You just wanted people that'll tell you whatever you want to hear and not right. outshine you. Right. Because this is your team and your program. And that's never, that's never seemed like the case here, which is, you know, in so many ways, exactly what it has to be, which is why, Juwan Howard right now, I think, is the model former player hire. Mm-hmm. Not probably not just in in basketball, but I would also argue you look at football too. I mean, a lot of the cases we see that the former player comes back and, and he deals with ego. I mean, you're already else. seeing it's all these tough. schools pointing to Howard, and you're seeing fan bases saying, you know, how can we replicate what Michigan did with with Juwan? You know, like it's, you can't have ego. That's I, I heard it, the yeah. conversation. I just had the conversation twice in the last thirty-six hours. Talked to someone mm-hmm. from Indiana, asking yeah. about Calvert Cheney and like how could Calvert Cheney do what Juwan Howard is doing. I had a right. conversation with someone from EMU saying how could Earl Boykins come in and right. replicate what Juwan Howard's doing. Right, Boykins is 
working Legend. as like a player development guy at Arkansas right now. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, you bring him in, right? Well, there's juice to that hire. You bring in Earl Boykins to EMU. Oh Every, everyone you, knows you Earl Boykins. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it, it is really interesting that he, he had the foresight to make some of the picks that he did. Like I was thinking about it yesterday when I was working on the Isley story, like, how ridiculously overlooked that was at the time that like, oh, they yeah, just like low key hired maybe the most overqualified assistant coach in the big 10. Who's from Detroit. Guy was playing the NBA for 12 years. He was a nine year NBA assistant coach yeah, and he right. agreed to be a, a good one. assistant like, coach. Yeah. <laughs> he agreed to be an assistant coach in the big 10. Like right. that's crazy, you know? So he's got a guy like that, that part of the, I mean, the reason I wrote the story is because nobody knows a damn thing about Howard Isley because <laughs> we just haven't gotten to know him and uh, kind of set out to write a story on him. But, man, you talk to people on the program and they're like, his offensive mind is at the highest level and he just kind of watches the game and he sees things and he works with, you know, he's helped develop Eli Brooks' floater and he's helped uh, Franz Wagner, you know, make reads out of ball screens and he just, he does a lot, a ton of individual work, ton of skill development, ton of video work. Like, you just don't see that. So, um, yeah, he has a guy who's not only doing that, but doing it selflessly. Like, Howard Isley's not out here self-promoting. Howard Isley's not out here no, floating his name yeah. when BC opens up, right? Like, he's just, he's here to work with Juwan. He's here to build a program. He, you know, and he's on his own. His family's in New York right now. His wife, because his, his son plays high school ball in New right. York, they're in New, so they're over there. He's down here by himself, um, with you know thirty plus million dollars in career earnings from the NBA in the bank, <laughs> choosing to be an assistant with Juwan Howard at Michigan. Yeah, I, yeah, that like <laughs> that pays a major dividends, man. I think right. we might be undervaluing things. <laughs> I just that that's the thing you have to. It has to be selfless and it has to be egoless. You have mm-hmm. to be able to find people who are are truly, uh, I get comfortable, confident in themselves, right. secure. I guess would be sure. the would be the secret ingredient there. Like I never got the sense. I've never gotten the sense that Juwan Howard is here to prove to anybody that he can coach. I don't think he gives a shit if he has to I prove to anybody. Don't anything. think that. No. Like that's not a thing. Like, and I think that we see that in other cases where we see former players come back to places or maybe they don't come back to the place they played at, mm. but they get a job and it's more about them proving that they can do this than it is the program, you know, all boats rising. And I think that that's probably the secret. Or it's them as a celebration of themselves and the, the, you know, bring back the legend. Let's celebrate the legend. You know, everyone, everyone feels good about themselves because Chris Mullen is walking down the sideline, you know, for at a St. John's game where it's like, okay, well, but it's also not just the former player, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, that's coaching. Like when a guy gets a head coaching job, Especially, and it's in many ways, it's probably worse with like a lifer coach. When he gets a head coaching job, it's like this is mine. I've waited my whole life. I've worked my whole life to get this opportunity. It's mine. No one is going to come in here and tell me how to do this. No one is going to come in here and trump me. Right. No one is going to out talk me or whatever. And like that's a thing. And I don't see a lot of that with John Howard. I got to say, I don't know him that well. Sure. I, I, you know, we could have blind spots. But I don't see a lot of that, and that's pretty rare mm. in college coaching. Pretty rare, I would say. 
It is. And I think that that's probably why they're at where they're at. But Michigan Forest State on Sunday in the weird uh, Sunday Sweet 16. Juwan against the former coach. Played for, against... played for Leonard Hamilton in D.C. And that's right. Leonard Hamilton has coached uh, every player in the world. <laughs> at this point, he is he is always like, well, how old is he now? Like He's, he's in I his see. 70s, isn't he? Uh, he's always like 20 years older than I think he is because he looks like he's like 45 still. Um, so Michigan, Florida State, they just played obviously a couple years ago uh, in L.A. We were both at that one. Leonard Hamilton uh, is 72. 72. I remember the last time they played, and I think he was 70. And I remember just, being just, just like shocked. Ex- that sign he was an extension, too. I probably should have. He's recruiting. They got players, right? So Michigan Forest, Michigan Forest State, your your thoughts on that one. And then maybe the uh, path that's left here, uh, all things considered, for Michigan going forward. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's kind of, there are some similarities with the LSU matchup, just in kind of, in terms of what Florida State's personnel looks like, you know, no one under 6'4", six, 6'5", six, um, big, long athletes, yeah, yeah. you know, but the similarities kind of end there, you know, Florida State actually plays defense, mm-hmm. for one, and, you know, they uh, just attack the ball, they send two bodies at the ball, they will... They will throw, you know, 94 feet at you on defense. They will trap you. They will pressure you. They will double the post. Um, they will take away your vision. They will take away passing lanes, right? So, um, you know, you, you watch that LSU game. There were some just remarkable plays where just guys just stopped playing on defense. So you're not going to see that in this game. Um, Michigan, you know, it's because of that style that I just described. You know, the, to me, this seems like a game where, it's going to be really dependent on um, personnel, quick decisions on offense. Um, you, I, I don't know how much they're going to get out of ball screens and going downhill and, and doing things like that. I think it's going to be you know ball movement, right? Making the extra mm-hmm. pass off the extra pass. It's going to be you know get Hunter Dickinson a post touch, and that ball has to come flying right back out of there, right to the next guy, to the next guy, to the next guy, wide open three. Like that. That's what you need to see. I think for Michigan, um, Florida State is really good, has a lot of talent. However, has you know, lost to Georgia Tech twice. They lost to Notre yeah. Dame two weeks ago. Notre Dame sucks. Lost yeah. to them two or three weeks ago, whatever. Um, so a good, not great team, you know, but really good pieces. Um, I love the kid, Raekwon Gray. You're gonna, you haven't seen Florida State. You're going to love no, this kid. No, not enough. You're going to love this kid. He's this 6'8", 260, four, oh, baby. four man, but he like, he'll like he get a pick and go downhill and drive mm-hmm. from the top of the key and go go finish yeah. at the rim. But like he doesn't play over the rim. He plays through people. Mm-hmm. Um, he's crafty. He's like he's a good passer. He's this really weird kind of hybrid-ish guy, but he's just built like a phone booth and – You'll like him. So uh, you'll be sitting there saying he should be an offensive tackle, tackle or some shit, right? <laughs> um, but the name that everyone is talking about is Scotty Barnes, uh, a guy who 
Juwan Howard knows really well. He played with his sons in, in Florida when they were growing up. Um, he's known Scotty Barnes since he was a little guy. Um, is very close with his family. So, you know, Scotty Barnes, 6'9 guy who is a elite passer. He He's really, really good at a ball screens. Um, Michigan also has a pretty natural matchup for him in Franz. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to see freshman Scotty Barnes going against uh, Franz Wagner and going to be an interesting matchup. MJ Walker is their high scoring guard that everyone knows. He's a natural matchup for Eli Brooks. Uh, Raekwon Gray is a natural matchup for Brandon Johns. You know, like they do kind of line up fairly well straight up. So we'll see. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I originally had Florida state coming out of this and, uh, over the last like 48 hours, I've kind of talked myself more into Michigan. Um, we'll see. Got to make shots. Got to play defense. Uh, Got to take advantage of what Florida State gives you, which is offensive rebounding opportunities, which is transition looks. Florida State struggles with turning the ball over. So make take advantage of their mistakes. Make baskets. Advance. Florida State, I, I don't know. I'm, were you surprised at all? What was your read on the, uh, I don't know if we talked about this, the, the Michigan-LSU game was one people talked about a lot and they wondered – about it ended up being a really good game. Obviously, LSU can score. What were your thoughts on that one? Did anything surprise you after that at all? Or was that a, did that go about how you expected it to go? You know how Jalen didn't respond to my text yesterday <laughs> for my story? Yes, I do. <laughs> did he just he, respond? He now says he's mad that he missed it. There you go. <laughs> right. Perfect. So there, you want to tell people why? On the uh, side? Well, he texts that the story is true. So I guess he's admitting to the fact that he backed down when when Vashon Leonard squared up on him. So if you want to know what the hell we're talking about, go subscribe to The Athletic and read the story because it's a a doozy. Um, So you were asking about the LSU game? Yeah, did anything in that game surprise you or did it go about the way? Because I know a lot of people were... You know, that was a game that was talked about quite a bit, I think. Like, people, sure. uh, I think Michigan people seemed nervous, I guess, because LSU's ability to score, Michigan obviously being shorthanded, everything else. But it was a great game. I, I, you know, I don't know. What were your thoughts on that one? Were you surprised at, it, at all on, on how Michigan performed? No, I mean, not not particularly. I thought they made some great in-game adjustments in terms of putting, uh, switching things up in terms of their in, individual matchups. Um, you know, it, Great game for seniors, man. I mean, that's like that's what March oh, basketball yeah. is all about. Eli Brooks, Shawnee Brown going in there, you know, scoring 21 apiece, making huge shots one after another. Uh, Shawnee Brown checking Cam Thomas and Eli Brooks kind of taking over at, at, at a point guard a little bit because the matchup just re- really did not fit Mike Smith's game because, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's five, nine, five, he's listed at 5'11", but he ain't 5'11". Um, you know, they're trying to play him through ball screens. Can't even see the damn court. So, um, you know, it wasn't an ideal spot for him and Eli Brooks. The fact that you can just have a a senior point guard to be like, yo, slide over, run point. We're going big on these guys. Like Mm -hmm. how many teams get that luxury of doing that? You know? Um, no, I thought it was a really impressive performance from Michigan. You know, they took that, they took that big swing from LSU early when they were just making every damn shot and Cam Thomas, you know, just a pro, some of the yeah. shots he was making were ridiculous. Um, but end of the day, you know, not sustainable. He went seven for 18 on twos in that game. So, um, you know, Michigan, uh, it was a better team. And I mm. think I said it with on the podcast with Dylan before that game. You know, it's going to be Michigan's um, deep 
uh, discipline and valuing of possession versus LSU's talent and which one wins out. And it was Michigan. Well, we'll see how it goes. Holding together here, uh, still standing. I think a lot of people were nervous, Brandon, uh, when the they were. started. I know when I know anyone know who that. listened to the podcast with Dylan and I last week, they were certainly nervous because we they were, were freaking we were, out. We were building that baby up to be a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking up LSU. I mean, it was a good game. I it, mean, was it was a good game. game. It, uh, it was definitely a good talent, game, uh, and it was one that they could have lost. But, but you at know, the same time, this yeah. this one, you know, like you get through that last game with Eli and Shondi being your dudes. You know, I kind of feel like this game. You kind of need the stars to shine well, just a little say. bit here, man. And that is both on Plus. the court and that is on the sideline. Like the staff needs to be dialed in um, yeah. on on personnel on the court because Florida State plays like 10 deep. They just rotating in 6'6 guy, 6'10 guy, 6'9 guy, and they all have their tendencies and things like that. And when these dudes just come – flying in on every stoppage of play like you need to be yelling out assignments you need to be making substitutions to match up the right way like every stoppage of play there needs to be a level of awareness of who's on the the court what the matchups are so you need that out of the staff and then your stars yeah i think they got to shine man hunter dickinson franz wagner need to have i think really good games here and uh and then make threes like usual wagner is just this is just me watching um, and you watch it closer than I do, obviously. But he's the guy. Barely. I mean, if if they, if he if he plays, you know, at the capability over these next three or whatever games that we know he can play at, then they have everything they need. Still, I'm convinced to do it. Yeah, and and he didn't play that way against. No, until the last until the last you know, ten minutes, and then they won. Right. <laughs> it was just like you saw it. Right. I mean, you you see what happens when he when he. I don't know if it's a switch or whatever, if it's just something that, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things that he works himself into the game or whatever it is. But I mean, when, when the, when he turns the corner in games like that, you can't guard them. I mean, when, when they have livers, you really can't guard them. Right. When they don't have livers, I still think it's tough, especially when you have Brown and those guys making shots. But Franz really is the, it's the whole thing there for me. I mean, I, I mean, Dickinson obviously too, but there's nothing, most teams in this tournament don't know what, don't have something you know they can't counter Franz Wagner mm-hmm. when he's at full when he's at full operation. You know what I'm saying? Like he is just yeah. I mean really when he's cover and everything else when he's hitting threes, like I mean that's you can't do that's anything. a real game changer because yeah. uh, teams still at this point they would you'd rather Franz take a three than get yes. any leverage and be able to drive to his right and be able to get downhill on you because that's when he's at his best and can right. do so many things. Yeah. Um, end of the day, you know he. He'll he'll still have games where he goes over five on threes, right? right? So that's that's a better option. Um, now he can hit them, but if you're right. weighing you're weighing the evils yeah. here, yeah, you want him shooting. Right. So, um, but if he comes out, if he starts hitting shots, that's when you're just like, oh shit, you know, I don't know yeah, what to do. They have enough, um, and I still think that that's the case. But this is also going to be one of those games, you know. It's I was talking about Mike Smith and the ball screen stuff that that LSU kind of was able to nullify just with its size. Probably going to see that again here. Um, you know, Florida State is enormous, mm-hmm. so you might see more of that Eli Brooks at the one lineup. But you know, that doesn't mean Eli, that doesn't mean Mike Smith sits. So he's going to need to find a way to make himself effective, and they're going to need to find a way to hide him, for lack of a better term, defensively. Yeah. So um, 
you know, they just don't have the depth to just be like, all right, well, you know, Mike Smith, you're playing 15 minutes today. Well, that doesn't work. So, um, they just don't have the bodies in the backcourt. He has to play, you know? So, yeah, well, I mean, Michigan fans have, like we just talked about at the top, you know, the last 10 years, I mean, they're used to the tournament again. They know how it works. You get to the second weekend and it's good on good and your big boys have to be right at their best. And that's who wins the game. I mean, you're, you're going to win, uh, in this round and in the final four with the guys that you spent the longest recruiting and needed for your program to be here, not the role guys. Those are the guys who get you through the first two. The heavy hitters have to do it from here. Everybody knows that. And that is a hundred percent. I I mean, Wagner has, if he's at his best, they have everything they need. If he's not, it's we'll see. Right. And I think that that's still something that's probably mostly true uh, with Michigan as we look at, you know, where they go here. So, right. We will see how it goes. They'll play Sunday. We got anything else here you want to talk about uh, before we? Man, I don't. Ride uh, I don't think so. Nothing I can think of. We'll talk a little Michigan State roundup, recap, whatever. Uh, you got any story requests later. or anything? You need want me to write about anything? anything? No. You know, this time of year, you feel like you've done every story there, there is you know? to do. I don't know. <laughs> Trying to come up with something. Anything? Else? Anything left? For a tournament that's being played without you at it? <laughs> yeah, that's not a lot. Nothing I can think of. We'll see how it goes. Right about the transfer portal. That's all uh, anyone Well, ca- that's that, about to heat up. That's, that's all anyone cares up, about. I would think. Uh, the transfer portal. And we'll talk about all that stuff with Michigan State yeah. uh, in the coming weeks here on the show. We Maybe next week we have a transfer, we'll just do a transfer portal conversation. I have yeah, some thoughts. All right. How about that? Mark it down, and if anything changes, we'll change it. But either way, uh, that's all for me. Take us out of here. All right. Very good. Well, be sure to leave us a review in the iTunes store. That is helpful, we are told. So do that. Do so. Subscribe to The Athletic. Read Nick. Read me. Tip your bartenders and your servers. The place where I, I was born and raised. The place where I